Hi, I'm Nicole Doyley. Welcome to Let's Talk, Conversations on Race, Season 2. Since the death of George Floyd, there has been a tremendous amount of racial unrest in our country, and really all around the world. I mean, 76% of Americans say racism is a problem. And many are genuinely asking, perhaps for the first time, how did we get here? The mayor of New Orleans, Mitch Landrieu, said, centuries-old wounds are still raw because they never healed right in the first place. Well, I believe part of the healing will come through conversation. As we talk and listen, individuals will change, families will change, churches, businesses, politics, and culture will change. It all starts by dragging things into the light. Racial injustice has been a thorn in America's flesh for a long time. It's time for it to be removed so that we could all move forward. In 2015, white supremacist Dylan Roof opened fire at one of the oldest black churches in America. Nine people were killed. His website displayed pictures of himself with Confederate flags, causing South Carolina to finally remove the Confederate flag from its state capital. Then, in August 2017, Unite the Right marched in protest of the removal of the six-story statue of Robert E. Lee. The removal of this particular statue is still tangled up in courts, but many other Confederate statues have been removed since, especially in Richmond, Virginia, the former capital of the Confederacy. After the murder of George Floyd, grassroots movements began asking for the removal of more and more statues. Statues of figures whose back stories offend millions of Americans. Actually, their backstories should offend all Americans. And it's not just happening in America. Statues of Leopold II have been removed all over Belgium. He laid claim to the African Congo, enriching himself in Belgium with the ivory and the rubber he found. And in the meantime, he killed over 10 million Congolese. Anyway, back to America. At one point, President Trump asked Robert E. Lee, Stonewall Jackson, who's next? Washington? Jefferson? And I actually think that is a legitimate question. Who next? We place statues of heroes in public places. Statues of famous or infamous people go to the museum. But statues that evoke pride are placed in public squares. So we're not talking about erasing history. We're talking about the location of the statue. Who gets to be a hero and who decides? We are all flawed. So when do a person's flaws disqualify him or her from being given hero status? I think the answer is, it depends on the flaw. 
Researchers asked thousands of American children and adults across the country who their heroes were. The people that they mentioned were largely the same across the board. And what did they have in common? Quote, the people who came to the fore are those who acted to expand rights, alleviate misery, rectify injustice, and promote freedom. The people we identify as heroes are those who embody characteristics that we admire and we aspire to. In other words, they are the best versions of ourselves. The Confederate generals are known for leading a rebellion against the United States government and demanding the right to own people. They committed treason. And even if they did this with great courage and skill, the cause for which they fought was nefarious. They are not heroes, and their statues should be removed from public squares and placed in museums. But what about George Washington and Thomas Jefferson, both of whom owned slaves? We are not going to give them a pass because, well, everyone was doing it. First of all, not everyone was doing it. There were plenty of people in their day who raised their voices against slavery, including other founding fathers. John Adams, Samuel Adams, Benjamin Rush, all also signers of the Declaration of Independence, all said that slavery was in direct violation of the laws of God and nature. They spoke vehemently against it. John Adams even said that the revolution would never be complete until slaves were free. And Dr. Samuel Johnson, a contemporary, asked this mortifying question. How is it that we hear the loudest yelps for liberty from the drivers of Negroes? He saw their hypocrisy, as did many others. Second, I do not believe in moral relativism. We do not conclude that something is right just because lots of people are doing it. There is a modern sex slave industry and modern slavery, and most of us believe that these are wicked things. And if they are wicked today, they were wicked yesterday. Slavery is and always has been an affront to human dignity. So those whose life's work centered around the defense of owning people, nope, not heroes. But again, what about George Washington, whose character is more complex? He did take up arms against an evil king and, and led a new nation under a new constitution. But he owned over 300 human beings. He did regret this, and he promised to free his slaves once he died. But during his life, he was a harsh slaveholder. And, and why didn't he just do the right thing and free them while he was alive? My guess is that he loved money and his class more. So Washington is a mixed bag. What about Jefferson? He owned more than 600 people. He fathered slave children, which, by the way, means he raped slave women. 
And he called slavery moral depravity, a hideous blot on our country. And he outlawed the international slave trade, though it continued under the radar for many more decades. He even spoke against slavery in the original Declaration of Independence, though sadly those words were removed. And it is to him that we owe some of the principles most dear to America, like religious freedom and universal education. Yet he, like Washington, was a white supremacist. If you were a slave owner, by definition, you were a white supremacist. Both men believed black people to be inferior and neither had the courage or conviction to do the right thing. As my friend, Pastor Carrie Schmidt, recently said, our convictions are revealed by our actions, not by our words. So what about their statues? When men are known for good, but they also did very wicked things, like Washington and Jefferson, we tell their complete stories. We tell the bad with the good. We don't idolize them or canonize them. We tell it straight. And we don't just tell the bad parenthetically. Here is a great, great, great man. And he did this and he did this and he did this. And by the way, he owned slaves. Mm. Now, that communicates that owning people, selling people, raping people is really not that bad. Because, well, those people aren't that important. No, if their statues remain, we tell the good and we tell the bad without pulling punches. Right there on the plaque beneath their statues. So, for example, George Washington, America's first pet president. Sadly, he owned 300 human beings. We include both. So we remove some, we may leave some, and we tell the bad with the good. And last, we erect many more statues of other heroes, including many more heroes of color. We said a hero is someone who embodies characteristics that we admire and aspire to. So what about Congressman John Lewis and Pastor C.T. Vivian, who both recently died? They were key leaders in the nonviolent fight for civil rights. Lewis was arrested over 40 times and had his skull bashed in, just trying to expand the rights and freedoms of Black people. He never took up arms, and he never preached violence. He took beating after beating, just reminding America what our own Declaration of Independence says. What about Sojourner Truth, a runaway slave who became a preacher and dedicated her life to speaking and writing about the rights of Black men and women? What about A. Philip Randolph, who helped gain African Americans better employment and better working conditions and helped to and segregation in the military. What about Mary McLeod Bethune, who went from being an illiterate daughter of slaves to becoming one of the first female college presidents? And then she opened the first black hospital in Florida. When she died in 1955, one newspaper suggested the story of her life should be taught to every school child for generations to come. 
These are just a few of thousands of Black heroes who helped to make America what it is. We need more statues of people like these. Statues are powerful things. They tell stories, they evoke emotion, they represent the people we want to show off as a nation because they made us better. I'm going to end by reading what the mayor of New Orleans, Mitch Landrew, said upon the removal of that city's Confederate monuments. Quote, the Robert E. Lee, Jefferson Davis, PGT Beauregard statues were not erected just to honor these men, but as part of the movement which became known as the cult of the lost cause. The cult, he said, had one goal, through monuments and through other means, to rewrite history, to hide the truth, which is that the Confederacy was on the wrong side of humanity. He said, it is self-evident that these men did not fight for the United States of America. They fought against it. They may have been warriors, but in this cause, they were not patriots. These statues are not just stone and metal. They are not just innocent remembrances of a benign history. These monuments purposely celebrate a fictional, sanitized confederacy, ignoring the death, ignoring the enslavement, and ignoring the terror that it actually stood for. And he said, in the second decade of the 21st century, asking African-Americans or anyone else to drive by reverential statues of men who fought to destroy the country and deny that person's humanity seems perverse and absurd. Hi, this is Nicole Doily. Join us next time for Let's Talk, Conversations on Race. And in the meantime, visit NicoleDoily.com.